Animal-driven war games. That's my niche. <laughs> Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 18. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we craft our first impressions of the Woodland Battle Royale, Root. I'm Amy. Good evening. Good evening. We made it to the studio. Yes, I am surprised we're here, honestly. it's October is our month of crazy. Yeah, lots of traveling. We just returned from a trip to our alma mater for the weekend a few hours ago. Yes, we were up in Williamsburg, Virginia, taking our kids and visiting William and Mary and some of the other historical sites up there. Yep, and I head out Wednesday for another trip, and then you will be um, flying out to join me later in the weekend. Um, just lots of travel coming up, and I wasn't sure if we would get this episode off, but uh, I think we can, we'll can. we probably get something down. Yeah, we're here. We're making it happen. Yes, next weekend we will be in wonderful, fabulous Las Vegas. That's right. So maybe we will talk about some gaming of a different variety on the Ooh, next episode. We talk about some craps and blackjack. That yeah. might be fun. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll see how it goes first. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be fun. Yeah. Well, so I think what we're going to do, since this is such a crazy time, but we didn't want to miss an episode, I think we're going to do something a little bit different. So we're going to do a shorter episode this week. And instead of doing a full review of a game, um, I think what we're going to do is give our first impressions on the game Root, which we just received about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And we've gotten a few plays in. We actually just wrapped up a play about five minutes ago. And I know this really is the hotness right now. Everybody's talking about Root. I was actually at our local game store earlier today, and there were some guys in line checking out, and they were talking about Root. And so the three of us and the game store employee had a little conversation about Root, and she had seen one copy come into the store for about five minutes, and then it exited. So Oh, wow. So we were lucky that we got ours. I had it on pre-order for, quite, uh, for several months. But I thought our listeners might find it interesting to maybe hear our first impressions of Root. We've, like I said, we've played three times now with a few different factions and thought that might be interesting to some folks. So we'll lay that down. And honestly, I feel like Root is almost the only game we've gotten time to play in the last couple of weeks, or at least I have. Um, our son's playing baseball, and that's a three-day-a-week thing. So that's really cutting into our gaming time. Um, but we have been playing a lot of Root, so... We'll talk about that on the show. What other awesome gaming moments have you had this last couple of weeks? Well, as you mentioned, there haven't been a whole lot just because of travel and baseball and, and just general life busyness. However, one, one game we did get in, Mamie, that I thought was really fun is we had our friends Dave and Jenny over last weekend for a game of 1889. Yes, we did. The other thing that we have been playing some is the 18xx games. And I think we talked uh, we talked a little bit about that on the last episode, but this playthrough was a little different because we had actually planned it ahead of time. Um, David played some 18xx. This was Jenny's first encounter with an 18xx game, uh, but we scheduled this in advance. So we had a Sunday afternoon start uh, versus our other plays, which were more in the evening. And I'm happy to report we actually finished the game. We completely <laughs> broke the bank. And it was the, the only one I've ever actually finished. I know, but it was great. Uh, it was really satisfying to play that to the end. And 
I had a great time, and it seemed like uh, Jenny and Dave really enjoyed their playthrough. What did you think, Mamie? Yeah, it was really fun. You know, I've, I've had sort of a weird relationship with the 18xx games because we've never finished one, and that's kind of left me disappointed. But at the same time, usually when we stopped playing, I was tired and ready to stop playing. But getting an earlier start and being able to play all the way through, I really got to see how it kind of ramps up in that sort of end game, which we'd never experienced before. And it was it was really quite fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and one other thing that was useful to see was, you know, in this game, and I've actually heard this is true, uh, I think this is not an anomaly, but you really spend so much of the game getting getting this engine built up and, you know, you're buying these shares and eventually people kind of max out on the shares they can buy. Um, so those stock rounds go, can go a little quicker. Um, but really the last couple rounds, we just used the spreadsheet to kind of math them out. And so, yeah, it's pretty much automated the last couple rounds, but you really get to see your engine work that you've spent this whole, you know, several hours building. Yeah. And so it was a pretty tight game. I really had a fun time playing it. Just really satisfying. I'd play again if we had an afternoon and plenty of time like that. Yeah, and I've said it before. I think, you know, again, I don't have a lot of experience. I've played 1846 and 1889, but I really, really love, uh, I think I, I very much prefer 1889. I like the slightly more straightforward rule set. I like the potential for a little more stock shenanigans, stock manipulation. We Although, didn't get into that Yeah, too we much, didn't do a whole lot of that. I think we're still sort of learning the basics, but I could definitely see how that could possibly there was happen. Some, there was some conversation of, could I do this and cause that, but nobody actually followed through on it. Yeah, maybe we were much too nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so certainly looking forward to getting that uh, to the table again. Um, but along those lines, another big moment, even though this didn't have to do with playing games, we have really scaled back on our purchasing of games. Um, however, I had a game order with cool stuff that consisted of three pre-orders, and and I was just going to be patient and wait for them all to be in stock and shipped together to get the free shipping. And that consists of Root, obviously, which we're going to talk about, but also Reef and the Sagrada five- and six-player expansion. And so I was so excited when that showed up about a week and a half ago. I know, and sadly, we haven't even gotten Reef on the table yet. We've got to make that happen. I know you really enjoyed that one. I can't I believe I we haven't it. played it yet. Uh, but we will, soon enough. Um, and I'll say, I opened that Sagrada expansion, and there is a lot in there. You know, I have almost no interest in playing five- or six-player Sagrada. However, what interested me about this expansion was there are some new tool cards and there are some new, what are those, personal um, achievement objectives. objectives. So instead of trying to get a specific color, counting the pips on a specific color of die, uh, there's actually certain spots on your board that you score. So certain Ooh, patterns. Cool. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and then also it introduces the concept of these personal dice pools. So... And these neat little pieces where you roll some dice that are just for you to take. Kind of some interesting new mechanics. So We've, we've got to find time yeah. in the next few weeks to get some of those on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Some other exciting news. We have a new Patreon patron. That is exciting news. We wanted to say a special thanks to Kyle for supporting the show on Patreon. Thank you, Kyle. And... If you would like to be awesome like Kyle, <laughs> you can also support the show. Um, you can visit patreon.com slash cardboard and wine, 
Or you can go to our website, cardboardandwine.com, and click on the Become a Patron button, and we will send you a button. And we have several buttons we need to send out. So I think as soon as we get back from Las Vegas, we're going to start mailing those out. Well, one other thing we should probably talk about is this wine that is in front of us. Yeah, so this week we have another one of our favorite varietals. This is an Argentinian Malbec, but this one is from the Layer Cake winemakers. I thought you were say this one is from Target. Um, it is from Target, <laughs> but that wasn't what I was going to lead with. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is Layer Cake Malbec 2016. Yeah, Layer Cake, I feel like you see that one... All over the place. Yeah, that's it's a pretty widespread, wide distribution. Yeah, you got this while we were on vacation. We were we needed a bottle to possibly have around the the condo, but we didn't end up drinking it. No, on we drank out instead of in. So we brought it back home and opened it up tonight. I was trying to do a little research on this because you know I like to research the wines, and the layer cake website was down, so that was kind of a bummer. But I was able to go to wine.com. Oh, good. That trusty source of information. (laughs) Hey, they must be onto something if they got wine.com. That's right. Um, And find a little bit about it. It's probably no surprise that Layer Cake is not a vineyard, but is a winemaker. You mean like it's a winery, but they don't actually grow their own grapes. Right. They don't grow their own grapes. They source them from all over the world. Oh, from all over the world, not Argentina? No, all over the world. Oh, you said it was an Argentinian Malbec. Well, this one, the grapes that go into this oh, one are from Argentina. But in their Cabernet, for example, the grapes might come from somewhere else. Where is Layer Cake's operation station? So Layer Cake is in California. Their oh, operations so it's are a in California, California winery, but this they shipped in the grapes from Argentina exactly. for the small hmm, I don't know exactly. how I feel about that. I know, I don't either. But the one interesting thing that I did learn um, is about their name, which I thought was really cute. So the winemaker came up with the name Layer Cake because his grandfather, who was also a winemaker, said that the layers of soil are like a layer cake and different layers infuse different flavors into the wine. So depending on where the wine grows, the soil that it grows in is really influential in the flavors in the wine. So that's why the wine is using the label name of layer cake. And that's why we source these grapes from... All over the world. (laughs) So we can get all those different layers. (laughs) Well, that's great, though. Well, you know, sometimes you just have to go to Target and pick up the bottle. And I will say, this one's tasty. I was going to say, what do you think of it? No, this is pretty good. This is very drinkable. It's a type of Malbec I like. It's fruity and it's full. I feel like it's fruity and spicy, which I like. Yeah, I don't think it has any sort of standout characteristics, but I find it perfectly non-offensive. That's great, right? That's what you want from a wine from Target. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we uh, continue to enjoy this wine and get on with our impressions of Root? All right. Sounds good. All right, so as I said, we are not going to give Root the full review treatment yet because, honestly, I don't think we could do it justice yet. There is so much to this game, and I don't know about you, Mamie, but I just really feel like we have only begun to scratch the surface with this one. Definitely. You know, I've only had the opportunity to play as two different factions, and I can see how playing different factions are gonna, is going to completely change the gameplay. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, you know, one thing that I really enjoy about this game is I feel like the theme of the game 
is really engaging and kind of helps players to um, get into their character, get into their role, and understand even the mechanics of their role. Um, as I'm sure you've probably heard, in the root base game, and we'll be just talking about the base game um, today, there there are these four factions that each play completely differently, and that is not um, an exaggeration. They are completely different in how you play them. Uh, but the, the overarching storyline is the game takes place in this forest, and the board is is a fairly nice looking uh, forest structure of clearings connected by paths. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the artwork in this game is really beautiful. I will say the one thing I mentioned was that the, there's the fall color. So the, we've only played on the fall side of the board. There is another side that is winter. Um, but the fall colors are orange, red, and yellow. And I said to a friend that the orange and the red are very close. And she pointed out that maybe that's because they're um, for colorblind. They're more colorblind friendly than if they were really distinct colors. Uh, could, that could be true. I'm not sure if that's true or if it was just more we want to do fall. <laughs> uh, but I will say, you know, to the game's credit, and I do love this too, um, besides the colors, there are different symbols for each right. of the the clearings too. There are um, I believe red are the foxes and yellow are rabbits and the orange are mice. Um, so you can also designate them that way. Um, but the overarching theme is you've got this forest and there's some there's some backstory that, that has happened. So when we descend upon the game, we're at this snapshot in time where apparently there were these birds, this group of birds called the Erie Dynasty, who were the rulers of the forest. And and, and they were very, I would say, regimented um, in their way of rule. Um, however, at some point, these cats came along, the Marquise de Cat. Who was an industrialist. Yeah, and also female, by the way. Um, I read a, a conversation about that. The Marquise is a female uh, French word. Interesting. Yeah, so the Marquise de Cat. And they are industrialists and have come in and overthrown the birds. And at the moment that we approach this game are very much in control of the forest. In fact, they start the game completely, uh, ev- really everywhere on the board. Uh, if you're the cats, you are everywhere. And the birds are huddled in one little corner. Huddled in one little corner. There's a lot of them, but they're all kind of, you know, they've been banished to this one corner of the board. Um, and then you have the rest of the woodland creatures. You've got all these birds and foxes and rabbits who have really been suppressed by this Game of Thrones between the birds yeah. and and the cats. And and there's this underlying disdain, I think, for for these cats and these cat and bird overlords. And so that's where the third faction, the Woodland Alliance, comes in. And the Woodland Alliance are represented by these cute little green toast-like <laughs> mice <laughs> They are mice figurines. toasts. They're adorable. Uh, little mouse toasts. All the figurines, all the meeples are adorable. So good. The best meeples I have ever seen. Yeah, they're really cute. I have... I love to take pictures of games anyway, and I honestly have trouble playing this game for wanting to stop and take pictures. I mean, hands down, the best meeples. Yes. And so so anyway, the, the Woodland Alliance, the, these little green toast mice, they represent the common folk. They represent all the woodland creatures um, that have this growing discontent for for the battle between the cats and the birds. And... And really, they're trying to build, this Woodland Alliance is trying to build support among the animals of the forest to try to overthrow, overthrow the government, overthrow yeah. the powers that be. I mean, and then lastly, you have the Vagabond, the who vagabond. is a little raccoon who is one pawn. 
He is one. So if you're if you play any of the other factions, you have you know like a lot of games, you get your little pile of wooden meeples that you can disperse onto the board and do stuff with. But if you play the vagabond, you have one little raccoon meeple, and that's all you have, and that's your faction. And that's what you got to play in our last game. I did. So I I got to play the vagabond, and so the vagabond is really just out for himself. He is really trying to profit and and benefit from all the chaos that's going on in the forest around him for his own gain, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> it was the perfect role for you to play. I don't know that any of the rest of us would have been good at it. Well, and that's one thing I want to say about this game that's really intriguing is if you have a game group that has a lot of different play styles and people with a lot of different interests in the types of games they like to play or the different types of ways they like to play games, this might be a great fit because... There's really something for everyone. So like you said, Mamie, the vagabond really is, if you have someone who really likes to be kind of sneaky and conniving and try to undercut other people and kind of watch what's going on, look for an opening and try to exploit other players for their own gain, you will enjoy the vagabond. And the Eerie Dynasty is really sort of a programming game. I mean, it's about choosing your cards that will allow you to take certain motions, but you must follow them in order like other programming games. So if that's something you enjoy, that might be the faction you want to play. Yeah. And I know we definitely have some folks in our groups that, that really like, you know, a mechs versus minions or uh, robo rally. And that's exactly what playing the birds is. is, is you're right. It's, it's programming. And then there are the cats, which I feel like are almost like a typical Euro game. So you, you know, you're, the way the cats score points and win are to build buildings. And so what they have to do, they have to build sawmills so they can produce wood, so they can build more buildings, so they can do other things. And that's like total Euro game stuff, right? I enjoy playing the cats. Yeah, no, super fun. And, and then last, this Woodland Alliance. And, and the Woodland Alliance is, they don't start on the board at all. There are no Woodland Alliance meeples, um, no toast meeples on the board <laughs> at all. Uh, but they are trying to identify regions on the board to place these sympathy tokens. And so the more of these sympathy tokens they place, um, then eventually they are able to stage a revolt. And by doing that, they overthrow all of the other pieces and effectively destroy all the other pieces in that clearing and establish their own base of operations. And their little toast warriors get to come onto <laughs> the board in that location and kind of establish their home base. And while they start out very weak, uh, as we saw when we played with the Woodland Alliance, they very quickly grow in strength and are really hard to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, once you, they those, get there. those rebellions are intense. Yeah, and, and so, you know, all this is kind of happening all at once. So everyone's really trying to do totally different things. Everybody scores points in totally different ways. But the thing that's really amazing to me about the game, at least in our limited plays, is how balanced everything feels. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty amazing in all three of our playthroughs so far. I mean, we've only had three. How close it's been and how it really has been anybody's game until kind of the last move. And we should say that the way you win is to be the first to 30 points. So it is sort of a race game to see who can get to that 30-point spot the quickest. Yeah, and, and I think what's really important because of that is 
you can't only know how your faction works. So it certainly is important to know how your faction works. But at the very least, you need to know how other factions score points. Because one thing I think we're learning is it's not enough in this game to just figure out how you score points and do that. But at some point, you are going to need to mess with the other people to slow their engine down a little bit. Which kind of brings up the other point. If you don't like direct confrontation (laughs) with other players, then this may not be the game for you. You know, it's funny because I used to think I didn't like direct competition, but I really liked Dominant Species and I really liked this game. So I think maybe as long as it's cute animals, I'm fine with it. You love animal-driven war games. I do. Animal-driven war games. (laughs) That's That's my niche. That's your niche. Yeah, (laughs) I'm fine with that. And you know, that's a good point. And, And others have talked about this too, but but this game easily could have been warring countries or factions of of trolls versus orcs versus elves um, and worked exactly the same way uh, with some backstory. But I bet if that was the theme of Root, we would not own Root. I probably would definitely be less interested in playing it. If I brought this game home and said, hey, Mamie, you could be... Germany or Russia or the United States. Or, no, you would not have no. enjoyed it. I mean, we, we own several of those games, and I don't think we've played them in years. Yeah. I haven't. But you saw this one, and you instantly were... They're so cute. I just want to play it. And it doesn't bother me that we're all just trying to destroy each other. Well, and I want to point out another thing that makes this game approachable. So the theme, definitely... But also, Mamie, we just wrapped up a play, and it took right at one hour. Yeah. Now, I will say we played our first four-player game, and that one took around two hours. So on the box, it says 60 to 90 minutes. But a lot of new players, none of us had played the faction. Actually, none of us except you had played the faction we were playing before. So lots of looking things up, lots of explanation, But while this is a war game, unlike a lot of war games that can really take a long time to play, you know, this one, you're in that race to 30 points and yeah, an hour to 90 minutes uh, seems about right, which is great. I mean, that only adds to the number of times we will likely play this game. Definitely. And I also think the thing that I really like about it that's missing is what we were just talking about, which is the balance. Like it is pretty equally balanced until the very end. One of the things I, I really struggle with in a game is when you know that you're pretty far behind and that you're probably not going to be able to win. You're not going to be able to catch up, but you still have an hour left to play. And I feel like there are several games that that, that happens in. And in Root, it really, it's the game is so well designed and so well balanced that it's anybody's game until the last turn. Yeah, and I've heard others say in, in other reviews that that in certain plays, there can be a player that just doesn't get going or the way the game state goes just really doesn't have a shot or someone runs away with it. But again, even if that were to happen, you know, you're only out 60 minutes or 90 minutes. So I can usually let that go. But at least so far, I've been so engaged in trying to play my <laughs> play my character that I've just had a lot of fun. And And this game really lends itself to lots of interesting storytelling. So after the game's over, you know, kind of looking back on the sort of the arc of the game and discussing, oh, you know, I can't believe it. I was doing this. And then, you know, your faction came in and did that. Um, For example, when we played our four-player game, 
Mamie, you were really dominating with the cats. I was. I was in a good spot. Yeah, and we should mention, so we, we, we mentioned that the way you typically win is the first to 30 points, but there is there are these cards, uh, and there are a few cards in the deck called Dominance Cards, which interestingly enough, just like Dominance Species, maybe you like games with Dominance Cards. Maybe. But if you play one of these Dominance Cards, you actually take your score marker off the scoring track and you declare that you have a new victory condition. And these vic- these victory conditions from these Dominance Cards completely have to do with dominating or controlling certain spaces on the board. And so, Mamie, you had one, and you had a lot of cats on the board. I had a lot of cats on the board. And you played the dominance card where you only had to control two opposite corners. Which at the time I played it, I did. But what's interesting is as soon as I played it, the whole goal of the game shifted. And so now, rather than whatever objectives everyone was working on before... All of the other factions were working to keep me from having control over those two corners. Yeah, and you actually have to control it at the start of your next turn. And so we all descended upon you. Um, And again, at that point, that's the only way you could win. And actually, Mamie, you were ahead in points. I was way ahead of points. It was not a smart move, I don't think. But it was one of those things like, let's try it and see what happens. Well, and the other thing that was fun about that is the Vagabond has this interesting mechanism where he can give cards to other players so he can help um, other players out as often as he chooses. And when he does so, he actually gets some victory points for helping them. But his relationship with that other faction improves. And if he helps the other faction enough, he becomes an official ally of that faction. So when when the Vagabond becomes an ally of a faction, then on his turn, he actually is able to command their troops to move... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so Josh's Vagabond gave me that dominance card, which I then played, but then he used the fact that we were now allies to move my <laughs> pieces so that I didn't have control of the corners. To move all your pieces off of the corner. It there was, was, nothing it was you could very, very sneaky. And, you know, I actually, heard, uh, I actually heard someone discussing thematically what that means as far as the Vagabond being able to just command other people's troops. And I heard that, Obviously, if you were the commander of the cat army or the bird army, you wouldn't like the Vagabond being able to do that. But uh, there was a discussion that what it actually meant was the Vagabond was cozy with the, the rank-and-file troops themselves. And so since they were buddies with him, they would just listen to what he had to say against the orders of their... <laughs> sneaky, sneaky Vagabond. Uh, so but fun. it was super so fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. And we had lots of laughs. And I think that's the thing that we have found so far in our play of this game is that it is just fun. We enjoy playing and we enjoy those stories that come out of it. And the variety in it is awesome. Yeah. And I think like a lot of splatter games, you know, the thing that I like about those is the rules overhead is not super great. I mean, you could argue there are a lot of rules in this game just because each faction is different, but each individual faction is really not that complicated and we haven't mentioned it, but these player boards that you use are so good at just laying out all that you can do and how you do it, um, that it, that it's all pretty clear. But the bulk of the game is not in remembering rules, but is in how you interact with the other players. And that's what just makes it makes each gameplay so different and, and so rich and so complex. So I think it is a great game. Um, I'll mention, too, that we also purchased Board Game Geek has these drawstring custom drawstring bags uh, for each faction that have these really cool, they're really cool material. I don't even know what they are. This really sort of soft, yeah. um, 
soft material, but they're beautiful and they've got beautiful artwork um, of the characters. I don't know. I, I love this. You're, you're, you love storing games. I do. And, and this is a beautiful way to store this game. I do. I felt like this game deserved that. Right. We already have the bags for the River Folk expansion, so I'm well, pretty came, sure came with it. I'm pretty sure we'll add those to our collection at yeah, some point. I'm really looking forward to that being available again to add the lizard folk and the otters or beavers or whatever. I think they're otters. They are. But anyway, you know that's that's all I've got to say about root. Maybe anything else you wanted to? Yeah, are we going to rate it on our cardboard and wine scale? I mean, I don't know that I could yet okay. rate it. We're going to wait. We We're going to play some more. I mean, I think we could do a one to five. How excited are you to play more Root in the future? I am a five. Right now, I'm very, very excited. I want to, I mean, I would break it out tomorrow if we didn't have baseball. Yeah, I think uh, for foreseeable game nights, there's no game I would rather want to play right now than Root. All right. Well, cool. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this discussion. If you have played Root, um, we would love to hear your thoughts on it so you can connect with us. Yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts on it. So drop into our guild on Board and Game Geek or send us an email or a tweet. And, and we'd love to hear what you think about Root. Yeah, guys, thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at boardandwine. Email us at cardboardandwine at gmail.com. Check out photos of the games we've been playing on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And since we are still a fairly new podcast, it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie. Until next time. Cheers Cheers and and happy happy gaming. gaming.